woe unto you, curse it. That's what that word cur- woe means. It means curse it. And Paul in Galatians chapter one says, you know, if, if he goes and brings another gospel, he says, you know, or an angel from heaven comes bearing another gospel other than G- the gospel of Jesus Christ, like what it says there in John, he says, let him be anathema. And anathema means let him be cursed. cursed. Let him be accursed, which is kind of the same idea. Let him let him be separated. Let him let, let him not be a part of the body. Mm-hmm. But let's say Second Timothy chapter three verse one. It says, but in uh, but know this: in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous just means difficult, difficult times. You know, and that's what our day and age consists of. It says, and, and what are the difficult times? Men will be lover, lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Now this is the part, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. What's it say? From such people turn away. Don't hang around with them. Don't be around them. The Bible says evil company corrupts good habit. So the the deception is, is that they have a form of godliness. The deception is, is that they they look like they're all white without. They look like they're Christians, but internally, they really love themselves more than God. And so Jesus said, what? Unless one loses his life, takes up his cross and follow me, he can't be my disciple. Unless you lose your life, you're not going to find life. What's life? Life is Christianity. If you don't have life, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. And here he's saying they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of a changed life, a changed Christian life, somebody that's different. And so that's why you turn away from him. You don't bid them Godspeed because at that point you're letting everybody else think that, hey, this is the standard of Christianity. This is this is what Christianity is all about. And so then everybody will follow that, thinking that they can live as a hypocrite, call themselves Christians, not live any different than the world. And, and the Bible clearly depicts if you're a friend of the world, not only are you not a Christian, you're God's enemy. That's what James says. John says the love of the fathers not in you. How can you be a Christian and the love of the Father not be in you? These are all questions that people have to answer that are that are either affiliated with the lukewarm church or you know they need to come out. And and that's why what Don said, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and then I will receive you. That's first Corinthians chapter six. God's not going to receive you until you come out and not touch the unclean thing. You have to separate from your from those type of people that live like that because a little leaven, like Don said, leavens the whole lump. I have a question, um, Mr. Ronaldo. Um, how much of did uh, Second John have to do with uh, the Gnostic teaching back in the day that um, Jesus didn't come in the flesh? There's a teaching that Jesus, since Jesus came and he was sinless, he had overcome, he had condemned, sin was condemned in the flesh, he had overcome sin in the flesh. They were saying that he was a spirit, that was the only way that he, he was able to not sin while he was on earth. So basically, I mean, there's a teaching like original sin and total depravity, 
um, these days that men use to blame, they blame, they pretty much blame their sin on God, pretty much. So they'll say, well, we have a sin nature, so I can't stop fornicating, but I'm still in Christ. But that, you don't see that anywhere in the Bible. That's why John says, if you say you have no sin, people try to blame on your flesh instead of them choosing the sin. He says, then you are a liar, the truth is not in you. I mean, it, that's, that's kind of a reoccurring theme in First John as well. Yeah, we, we, we teach the same thing, um, Ronaldo. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. But it is true that uh, uh, John was addressing Gnostics as well as everyone, but they had some issues with a lot of the Gnostics of that day, and they because they believed that that it wasn't possible to live without sin in the flesh. So they believed that whatever you did in your flesh was kind of permissible as long as you it wasn't your spirit. In other words, they they said, well, they didn't sin. Even if they did something that's fornicated in their flesh because it was a flesh that they blame it on. Uh, and we call it a sinful flesh. The flesh is nothing. Bible says in, in, John, um, in John chapter 6, even Jesus said, the flesh counts for nothing. It's not the, this is just meat that covers the bone. When you look up anytime, uh, some, some versions will say like in, in, in Romans 6, they'll call it sin nature. Uh, but really the word sin nature is not in the Bible. It's really the word flesh. And when you look up flesh in the Greek, it, it's a word called sorks which that word means simply the flesh, the meat that covers the bone. It, 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 has, it, it cannot make you sin, and it is not sin. It, it craves certain things. It craves when it's hungry. We talked about that, or thirsty. And we can either say, okay, that's, we, we give permission to the flesh. Like Paul said, I keep under my body. I bring it under subjection. Uh, lest I, after I preach to others, I myself be a castaway because we are ruling over our bodies. Our bodies are not ruling over us. So they thought that, like, uh, like uh, Ronaldo was saying, in their minds, they thought, well, Jesus Christ could not really have come in the flesh because no flesh could live without sin because, if, because the flesh would always sin, which was a false teaching of the Gnostics. So, yes, you're right, that's, Ronaldo, that's what they were bringing out. But we know that we were not born with a sin nature. Uh, most of the world, most of the religious world believes that they were. And, but that is a false teaching. The sins of the Bible says in Ezekiel 18, 20, that the sins of, the, of our fathers are not passed on to the children, neither the children's sin passed on to the fathers. So we know that Adam's sin was not passed on to us. But as it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, uh, 27, whatever, it says that, um, that um, we were made upright to begin with. But man chose and went his own, own schemes. Uh, but because we're wonderfully and marvelously made. It's not, the flesh counts for nothing. It's, it's, it's not anything. So sin nature, is, is just like you said, a penal, such a, a penal substitution is not uh, of, of essence because it's not the truth. You know, so we know that. So yes, he was, to address it, yes, he was talking to Gnostics also. But here he also is bringing out the point that not only that if someone uh, uh, has a Gnostic or believes that, um, does not believe that Jesus coming to flesh is an antichrist, but here he even goes so far as to say, whoever sins, whosoever, who would that include? Whosoever means everybody, right? Everyone, whosoever, he says in verse 9, transgressed, whoever sins and does not continue in the teachings of Christ hath not God. Very simple. Uh, that's reiterated throughout all of John's writings that if you sin, you're of the devil. Uh, you know, the, and he goes on and on uh, speaking of that. The one who says, I know him, he keeps and obeys not his commandments. Sins, uh, does not, is, and says he's a Christian, is a liar, the truth is not in him. All over the scriptures it talks this. So yes, uh, 
a very, very strong, strong passage being you brought out. Very good passage. Uh, and, and it's a warning that uh, you are not to, again, yoke up or go along with or hang out with people of the world. And I, I don't know, it, it's like you could preach on that forever and you, you'd hope that people would get it. But I still see to this day some that are professing to be Christians, some that are saying they're Christians and have not forsaken that what the Lord has said to forsake you. Listen to me. God will not receive you. You may think you're received by God, but he said, when you come out from among them, when you quit fellowshipping with all that and you depart from that because you haven't lived in your life, he said, then I will receive you. Don't come to me and say, well, I, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, but I'm still, I still got a girlfriend. You know, she's not in fellowship and she's not, she's not really walking in like she needs to be. She's not believing that, that she can't sin. She still believes you can sin and all this stuff. And you telling me that you're walking in the truth? No, you haven't come out from among them. Are you still hanging out with your old friends and, and making excuses? Well, I just want to be a witness to them. How else am I going to witness to them if I don't hang out with them? If I don't go out and, and stay with them and, and, and do these things with them, how, how am I going to be? But he says, come out from among them. Or I'm still hanging out with somebody that I shouldn't be hanging out with. Come out from among them. So he said, no, you don't wish them Godspeed. You share the Lord and you get away. Okay. There's a continuance. There's a continuance. People come and then they don't anymore. It's if ye continue. That's correct. It's it's the part that people don't. People don't continue. We have what's called today, I call it easy believism. Okay? Uh, They're told that you can pretty much do anything as long as you come forward and accept the Lord, ask Him to forgive your sins, and you're good to go. It doesn't require a loss of your life. And let me explain what a loss of your life is. A loss of, the life, of your life is a denial of self. It's not, a, it's not an uplifting of self. It's, the, it's a denying of it. It's denying yourself the desires of the flesh. It's denying yourself of your own agenda. It's not living after yourself. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that those that come to Christ no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them. So that's, what he, that, that's a new life. Uh, I always say this, Luke 9, 23, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Unless you lose your life, you can't have your life. Most people don't want to do that. So, hey, listen, if you, if you had a preacher and you trust that preacher and that preacher is telling you, basically, you don't have to do that. All you have to do is come make this prayer, give your money to church, do these things, come regular, and you're good to go. Which way do you think they're going to choose? They're going to fight, to, and that guy can be persuasive with words. They're going to fight to believe what he's saying instead of the truth. The comfortable, easy way. Yeah. It's the society that we live in with the convenience, comfortable way. That See, what, what, has, what has to happen is everything has to change. Everything. Yes. And, and people aren't willing. And, and we talk about this so often because I'm running across it all week, every week. <laughs> and just when I start thinking somebody's going to really change, they don't. Amen. Uh, Latia said this is the microwave generation. <laughs> She's right. Well, right on, Latia. It's, it's, it's true. 
Yeah, fast. Everything get we get it quick and go. Yeah. We want things now. If I pray for something, I better get it now, or I'm yeah. gonna believe I'm walking yeah. away. Jesus said in, in who he really says he is, he's just a Santa Claus to most Wait people. On the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Wes, go ahead. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, going along with, with you know, Baron Second uh, John, um, Jesus says that the way is difficult. You know, and what you're saying, he says the way is difficult that leads to life. That's right. So anybody that says it's easy believism, like you're saying, um, it really shows that they're speaking contrary to the teachings of Christ, and that's what it says. If anyone teaches otherwise. And Paul says this to Timothy, says, if anybody teaches otherwise and does not consent to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine that accords with godliness, he says he is proud, knowing nothing, you know, so he doesn't, he doesn't know anything. It's the same type of concept. Don't hang out with those persons because they're obviously teaching completely contrary to what Jesus taught. And so if Jesus said that the way is difficult, that leads to life, there, ha there has to be some difficulty to actually become a Christian. It's, it cannot be a free handout at that. If, if, if the teachings of Christ say that it's the pearl of great price and one must sell all other pearls to gain that one pearl, it's not just cheap. It's That's not right. just you know, here it is. If the book of Revelation says, I counsel for you to buy for me gold refined in the fire and white garments. White garments are not cheap. So unless you have a white garment, guess what? You're mm -hmm. not going to be in the wedding feast. That's right. You're going to have a wrong garment. And if the garment of Revelation chapter 19, speaking of the bride of Christ, says it's the righteous acts of the saints, it has to do with you doing something. It's not cheap. It's not free. It's not just unmerited favor like they try to say that grace is. Grace is what teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live righteously, sober, and godly in this present age. That's Titus chapter 2, verse 11. If people would just pick up their Bibles and see what are the teachings of Christ. Jesus says, unless you cut off your hand and put it from you and pluck out your eye, and put it from you. If you don't do that, guess what Jesus says? Matthew chapter 5. He says it's this simple. You're going to hell. <laughs> I can't get any plainer than that. People, I mean, that's the truth. And so, Wesley, don't hold back anything, okay? Go ahead and give it all to us. So somebody's teaching, hey, you don't know how to do anything. Here it is. It's on a silver platter. He did it all for you. They're not teaching what Christ Amen. Amen. This is this is what we this is what we have today. In Second Timothy chapter four, we have a commandment, and I, I did a video on it last night. Cedric and I it says preach the word. That's pretty clear, okay. And I, let me let me just elaborate on that while I'm there just a little bit. I did a video last night, so it's fresh on me. But a lot of people don't preach the word. They don't share their faith because they're scared. They're fearful. These are things that you might be fearful of. Fearful of what other people are going to think about you. Fearful that you maybe, maybe you lose your friend. People that they may think you're a weirdo and, and, and don't want to hear from you. That they may t speak bad about you. All these things try to come at you through the enemy. Okay? But Jesus said, marvel not that the world hates you. Because it first hated him. But see, that, that's no good. If you're not preaching the word, then you're not 
obeying what the gospel is saying here. You walk in, in, in unbelief and disobedience. Sure, you're going to get rejected. Sure, people are going to speak all kinds of things against you. That's part of it. That's why Jesus got crucified, right? Because he didn't shut up. If he had just never said anything, they'd never crucified him. Neither Paul, neither any of the other disciples. But we're called to minister the gospel and to speak up. And, and minister it and don't hold back. You know, if you really love people and you really love them, you're not going to sit there and say, well, you know, maybe I need to become good friends with them first. So I don't really want to say anything. I'm going to say it again. You don't know whether you have tomorrow or not. That may be that person's last day or your last day on earth. You can't just say, well, I'm going to go down the road and do it. The Bible says to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. That means all the time. So don't hold back and think that, or, or, or that you've got to become friends. No, you're not even going to become friends with them if they're not in Christ, because the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Yeah. Preach the word. People sometimes say, well, Don, you're so straightforward or whatever. Because I'll, I'll tell people, man, you know, if they say, I'll go share with them. And they say, man, well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good with God. And I say, man, what's, what's that cussing coming out of your mouth? Or what's, what, you're not going to make it, man, because your heart's not right with God. Sometimes you've got to be blunt with people to get their attention, even if they get mad at you. Because later on, they're going to go home and they're going to think about what you told them. And maybe, just maybe, examine themselves and realize that it's the truth. And they'll come over. If you love somebody enough, I've said it over and over again, and their house is on fire, and they're laying in there and worked all night tired, you don't care if you're going to get mad, they're going to get mad at you to go wake them up and get them out of that burning fire. It's the same thing that's happened now. People are, going, are, are living in a burning fire. They're going to go to hell. And unless you tell them, you're watching them burn. That's why the scripture in Ezekiel talks about that you, if you see someone in sin, go to them and tell them to deliver their The blood won't be on your hands. So share the gospel. Don't be fearful. But I wanted to read this, finish reading the scripture. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. For the time will come to me, and I'm going to add something to you, and has come. When they will not endure sound doctrine. Let me tell you what sound doctrine will do. Let me read you a, a reply to this, this man that said this to me. Because I, I, I talked to this man, man about, he was saying he was righteous. And, but, he wasn't, but he was still sinning. And I said, no, he, he that, I quoted 1 John 3, 7. It says, uh, only he that doeth righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. But the one who doesn't do righteous, who sins, is of the devil. Here's his reply. I never heard something so wrong, lots of laughs. This is sad, bro. And you're, you're literally what's wrong with church and Christianity today. You miss the point of what grace is, like a license to sin. And what righteousness is. I just get my righteousness even though I'm sinning. I'm living, in, living like the devil, but I got God's righteousness. This is what he says. You're the only one preaching this trash. Calls it trash. This is what you got in the day that we live in. You know why? Because the time has come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having wanting to hear what they want to hear, having itching ears. They want somebody to tell them they're okay in their sin. And you know what? You can find a lot of people to tell you that. Right. Pat you on your back and tell you you're just fine the way you are. 
But you know what? If you'll get bold, and I pray for every one of you and myself that we are so bold that we'll speak it out no matter what anybody else says or thinks because you know what? Because I love people enough to keep try to wake them up to keep them from going to hell because that's what's happening every day and every second that we live right now. People are going to hell because nobody will stand up and tell them the truth. At least when I get there, they'll say, they're not going to be able to say, you didn't tell me. They'll, they'll, you know what they'll do? They'll remember the day I told them. They'll remember the day you told them. And they'll be there and say, hey, you know what? I have no excuse. So tell them the truth. It's like that guy I talked about in the gym. Cedric, I, I shared with him. And he said, oh, I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I said, man, you got all this filth coming out of your mouth. How can you say you're going to heaven? Oh, man, I, I, that, I don't mean anything by that. I said, man, what comes out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I said, he doesn't refrain his tongue. As James 1 says, his religion is worthless. Oh, well, God forgives me for that. I said, God's not forgiving you because you, you hadn't stopped. He's not forgiving you. You hadn't repented. There's no confession. There's, there's no repentance. I said, you're in trouble. Did he like it? No. He wants to think he's okay because all his preachers are telling him he's okay. But you know what? I told him he's not. Let him deal with it now. I've delivered my blood. Delivered his blood. Who, who wants to speak? Eric? Was that Eric? Yeah. Come on, brother Eric. <laughs> hey, brother. Good to see you. <laughs> Love you, brother. Yeah. And who better to listen to? Thank you, Don. That was wonderful. Jesus Christ said, few are finding it. How many of us are here? There are few of us that have found it. Unfortunately, our efforts and our mission is to go out and bring more in. But it's very evident and clear the difference between the wide path and the narrow path, just in what we have here. So we're encouraged by that. Um, but back to Ben's original uh, scripture that he brought out, you know, in Joshua, it said that uh, uh, for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. So it's very clear the difference between false doctrine and sound doctrine, as Wes brought out, the things that we believe in and the things that the professed church teaches, very clear. So you don't want to bring any of that into your household even if it's a little bit, because it's leaven coming into your house, into your family, and we don't want that poison in our household. Amen. So we don't want to be hospitable to that kind of thing. That's not to say that you're bringing people in that may be students or interested in the word, that type of thing that simply don't know. But it's clearly somebody that's preaching that uh, false doctrine that you don't want to uh, come into your household you know, I thought of something secular, and forgive me if it offends anybody, but we all back in the day probably at one point had a sports team. And if you had a party at your house representing that team, you would by no means let anybody else in that represented the other team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just what happened. So in a small way, you might be able to see it that way. Amen. Amen. That's good, Eric. Good, good analogy. Amen. I have a question. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I see here, and I mean, it's just the way it's worded. It's it's confusing. First uh, uh, John five sixteen. Before we go there, and can I hold you question just a second? I want to I want to finish this scripture, okay. and I'm gonna go right to it uh, to First John five fifteen. I want to finish reading what I was reading in Second Timothy four. I think it's very important. It talks about them that they would turn. It says here. For the time will come when, when they will not endure sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? 
that's what you were talking about being in Second John, uh, in the book of Second John. Sound, sound doctrine is the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they won't endure sound doctrines. What kind of doctrine they're, they're enduring? False doctrine. Doctrines of devils, the Bible says. It says that in the last days there'll be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Is what uh, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it says, but after their own lust, lust is their desires, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So they're going in and finding places that they, they, that's going to make them feel good. They want to go to a place that when they leave, they feel good about themselves. And that's what you're getting a lot of feel-good churches that are not preaching the truth. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. They don't want to hear that. They turn their ears away. They don't want to, they don't want to come and hear the truth. They turn their ears away from that and shall be turned unto fables. They, and, you, you know, they t- like to tell you, know, a lot of people, they, you, you go to places, they don't even reach into scriptures, hardly. But they'll talk, give you stories and fables and things of that nature. Uh, but he tells us to endure sound, endure sound doctrine, to endure affliction, then do the work of an evangelist, making full proof of thy ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. What is evangelist? Go and share the gospel. Share the truth with him. Well, just, what he just said, they're not going to turn the air away from the truth. That's okay. You do, you do your part. It's not your part to save people. What your First Corinthians chapter 3 says that one man uh, plants, another man waters, and God gives the increase. Your job is to plant and to water. That's what the Lord has called us to do. Now you said 1 John chapter 5? Chapter 5, verse 16. It, it talk, I mean, it's just a little bit hard to understand. Because the way I'm understanding it is any sin is sin unto death. And, but here it's saying that there is uh, a sin unto death. A sin. There, but and their sins are not unto death. Sin not unto death. Yeah. If, if a person is, is walking in willful sin, that is a sin unto death. Okay, but what's this not? Oh, unwillful sin. Well, if, if he's ignorant, ignorant of it, okay? And then God brings it to the light, and then, he, okay. for, then, he's, then he's not, that's a sin that's not unto death. Because he can, he, he, he said, oh, I didn't know that. You know, he didn't have knowledge of it, okay? Okay. Is sin. sin. Yes. And there is a sin not unto death. Yeah. If I run a red light on accident, it's breaking the law, but it's not a sin that's unto death. But it's all sin. And, 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 you know, some people say, you know, all sin is equal. One sin is if you jaywalk and you go murder somebody, it's the same thing. It's not. Okay, Jesus, and this makes it clear. And also, you remember when Jesus um, was going to be crucified? And Pilate was there, and, and he uh, was washing his hand, and he, and he was talking to Jesus. And, he said, and Jesus told him, the ones that turned you into me have the greater sin, okay, than what he had. So there is depths of that, you know, so to answer that question. Any, uh, any other comments? Praise the Lord. Okay. James 4.17. Strong one. <sighs> to him that knoweth to do good, and, does, and um, he that doeth not, it is sin. So when you know what, you, what you're supposed to be doing and don't do it, it is sin also. And then we can flip around and say uh, in Hebrews where it says, once you've come to the knowledge of the, of the good, 
of the truth. And you go and do willful sin, and there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. That's right. In Hebrews, what is it, 10, 5? 10, 10, 10, uh, 26. 10, 26, yeah. <laughs> Put you on the spot over there. Hebrews 6 also. Sorry. Amen. Sure. You know, like Wes was talking about, it, it costs something, you know, to, to walk, and that's why people don't want to give their life to Christ and become a Christian because you've got to count the cost. It's, it's your whole life. But it just makes me think of like the scripture you, you quoted a little while ago that says, you know, he says, come follow me, take up your cross and follow me. And to me, to go over that quickly, like, if you think about it, what does the cross uh, represent? I mean, it re- represents death to self. It re- represents suffering. It represents denial of yourself. I mean, it, you take up your cross, and you think about what that represents, and you follow Christ. It is non-negotiable. It, you're going to give up your whole life. I mean, that's, that's the cost, and that's what it requires, and that's what people don't want to do. Uh, that, that's correct, Jill. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 14, he kind of explains that thing that you're talking about. Uh, he starts off in, uh, in verse 26. He says, If any man come to me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, brethren, sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, we know that the Lord tells us to love our neighbors ourselves, um, to love your wife as Christ loves the church. So he's not talking about hating him in the sense that you, uh, of that certain sense, but he's talking about as far as, the Lord is, is, is everything. He's number one. He's like everything to you. You're not going to deny him no matter what. If anybody turns their back and walks away from you, you're not going to choose that child or that church person over the Lord. You choose the Lord over everything that's in your life, even in your own life. He said, because you have to even hate your own life. In other words, you have to lose that life. And then he goes on and he says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You can't be it. If you're not bearing the cross and you're just living your life for you, for this, you, you can't be his disciple. For, and then he starts getting into the cost, like Jill said. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient funds to finish it. You don't start building a house and say, well, I got, I got $100 here, so I'm going to go uh, you know, try to buy a little bit of lumber to start my house. And you, you don't have the money to finish the house. And you start building it, and, you, and you, can't, you, can't go, you can't get done with it, right? Let's happily have to lay the foundation and is not able to finish it and and all that look at it begin to, to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And I've seen so many people do that. They, be, they came here, or they, I talked to them, and they, be, they started to do good, Ben. They started to do good, but they didn't finish it. Didn't See, that endures to the end shall be saved. They didn't continue. That's right, same thing that you said earlier. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first and consults us whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. You got to count the cost. Or else while the other is yet a great wealth, he sendeth an ambassage and, and desireth conditions of peace. Kind of what we did. We kind of like, Lord, you know, we, 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 we messed up. We need help. We need, we, we, we surrender. Yeah. So likewise, whoever be of you that forsaketh not what? Not what? All. All. What does all mean? Does that mean everything? everything? Whosoever does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So how much can you hold on to? How about your money? Can you hold on to that? You know, say, well, I'm, I want to keep all this. Uh, my, your house, whatever, whatever it might be. 
He says, forsaken all. You know what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3? He says, I, he said, for the cause, he said, I, I lost everything. I suffered. Not that he just lost it. He said, I suffered the loss of all things. So it wasn't that he just like, oh, there he goes. No, no, he suffered it to where he, he lost everything. And that, that's, he was saying that, you know, I've suffered all these things. I've been shipwrecked. I've, uh, I've, been, I've been had money. I've, had, I've been poor. And no matter what, I, I've, I've learned to be content in whatever God has given me. And that's, Amen. That's, and that is really an illustration of where we have to be. We have to be. Amen. Obedience. Amen. Um, don't look like we're going to get to Revelation. So I, this is, I had this strong on my heart this morning, something else. And I, I want to share it with the body. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't really care. No, it's, it's something that, um, yeah, Ronaldo said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Um, this is something that I have to bring forth to the body. Because it's on my heart. And very strong burden this morning. I was going to preach something else. The Lord said, no, this is what I want you to speak of also. So I'm going to bring it out. Uh, I want to bring it out, first of all, by saying that, um, and please stay with us through this and, and hear me out, that I'm very excited to see brethren that are really, truly walking with the Lord in all of angles of their life. The Scripture says, unless a man forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple, right? We just read that. I've seen people come, um, and I, it blessed me, and it touched me. The other day, I had a particular individual come to the house, knocked on the door, came in, and he said, I, I want to give an offering. I said, okay. He said, um, and he comes to fellowship here regularly. I'm not mentioning any names. And he said, I just got my unemployment check, and I want to give an offering off my unemployment check because whatever I get in, I, I give offering off of that. And he did. And he left. This particular individual uh, has been out of his work, out of work, uh, for, for a while. The church even helped them when they were out of work, and he didn't have money to put food on the table. The church was there to help him. We helped him. Uh, but to see that he took out of his need, uh, that he could maybe have justified and said, "You know what? This is unemployment. I'm not working. I don't need to give anything." But he didn't. Amen. And he came here. It makes me want to pray because I love that brother so much. But he came. And he wanted to make sure, he said, before I get even tempted to spend it, I want to make sure that I give this to the Lord Amen. to meet the needs of the people. Amen. To me, uh, and I know to you too, that's true love because he cares about supporting the ministry and helping those who are in need. I want to say this also along with it, not, not saying anything of myself. I don't take anything from any offering that comes into this church. I personally don't take anything. Would I have the right to do it according to scriptures? Absolutely, Paul did. And that's a, that's a right that you can live. Those who preach the ministry also ought to live off the ministry. But I have, I have a job. I work hard. I don't want to do that. I want to help those that are in need. So that's that being said. But I see some people that really give out of their own needs and give to the body of Christ. And what a blessing to see that. Not to see it for me, like I said, I, but to see the fruit in their life. Let's go to Philippians. I just want to share a couple of scriptures on this because I want, I want everyone to walk in the full grace of the Lord Jesus and full knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll be obedient in everything that's going on in their lives. And there may be some things here that I'm going to bring out that maybe you weren't aware of. And this may help you in your giving and in your living for the Lord and obeying all of his commandments. Paul wrote here in the book of Philippians, he talked about... Um, 
his flourishment, he starts in verse 10, talks about um, chapter 4 of Philippians, chapter, uh, in verse, verse 10, he starts off and he said, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at your last, your, your care of me hath flourished again, where you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. He's talking about their giving there. Not that he's saying I wanted anything, but I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Ronaldo quoted that scripture a little while ago. So he, he was content. He says, I, I know both how to be abased, how to be a need, and I know how to abound and how to have, have my needs met. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of people don't, don't really use that scripture in context, and they'll say that. And, 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 and it surely, I, he uses the word all, but really with the context of what he's talking about, that I can be, uh, I, I'm content with whatever I have financially or money-wise or whatever. Uh, and then he says here, notwithstanding, you, were, you have well done that you did communicate, that you gave uh, with my affliction, with my, my trouble that I was in. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me. Nobody gave as concerning giving and receiving, but only you, only the Philippian church was given to Paul for the ministry. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again into my necessity. He said, even though I was in a different place, I wasn't with you, you still sent money to me over in Thessalonica. Not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that I may abound, that it may abound, uh, that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I'm full. So he's saying, I want to see the fruit of your life. And when I, when you, in your giving, I can see that fruit of your giving. And what a blessing. Now, some people may have the temptation to think, well, the reason I'm working is so that I can get all my bills paid for. I can get where I can get my, me a house. I can get where I can be, uh, well, well, I can pay everything off and I can be free to go minister everywhere. Or I can, and, and all that sounds good and all. It sounds good. But that is not the reason you're working. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. I'll, I'll give you the reason why you're working, why we work. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Well, we'll start at verse 27. The Bible says, not to give any place to the devil. So we don't want to give any place to the devil to, to slide into our lives and keep us from doing something that we're supposed to be doing as Christians, as believers in Christ. We don't give him any place. We don't give him any place in our lives to put a temptation or a snare or anything like that in, in, in that place. We don't give him opportunities to come in and, and speak to him. We don't carry on dialogue by giving the devil a place. And then he says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give that, that needeth. So why are you working with your hands? So that you have to give to those that are in need. Now that would be inclusive of your family. That would be inclusive of your brethren if somebody has a need. And we have people that, come, that, that we know of that have needs here. And that people in Skype that have needs. Some people have needs because they're in a situation because of their old life and the way that they walked before, it, they, they blew everything or they messed up. And, but now they want to come to Christ and they have needs because they're so far behind in finances. You need to help them to get where they can walk it on out now. You know, so you have needs of that. We have needs of people that lose their jobs, especially now. And, and they're, they're doing the best that they can, and they, they're working whatever they can, but they have needs. So you want to reach out and help them. 
You know, we have needs of people that want to come to fellowship. They may not be able to get there and they need some transportation. We need to help them. Whatever the need may be, we want to be able to, to help them. I have a burden right now in my heart about one of the brethren that he's living in a pull-behind trailer. I'm not talking about a trailer that you live in that's furnished and all. This is a, this is a utility trailer he's living in and he threw a couch in there and he's living in He's a wonderful brother. I want to help that brother. Why? Because I love him. And so should you. You want to help them. Now, the, the scripture talks about giving. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul writes this. Same writer that just wrote Philippians. He writes this in verse 1. He says, Now, concerning the collection for the saints, I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. Upon the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. So you see Paul is talking to the church and saying, listen, do those collections the first day of the week so that when I come, you know, they'll, 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 we won't have to have a collection. We won't have to ask the people. You'll have, you'll have the funds that are there. But the, the, but the key in that I want to show here is that they were having a collection and they were given, the church was giving for the needs of the church. This is what a lot of people say, well, I don't need to give anything. Look at, look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the Word of God. A lot of people think, well, the, the, the false church out there, they talk about giving, giving, giving. That's the only part of the law that they want to keep is that you got to keep giving your tithe. 10%. So what happens sometimes when you come into the truth, you want to throw out everything that they had that was, you know, no matter what, if it was right or wrong. That would be wrong. We have to do and be obedient to what the scripture says. We're accountable to what God's word says. We have to do it God's way. It, you know, I'm in agreement with the Catholic Church that, uh, that, that Mary was virgin born. But that doesn't make me a Catholic. That Jesus was virgin born, excuse me. Yeah, I agree with that. Not to, <laughs> that Jesus was virgin born. But that doesn't make me a Catholic. So even though I agree with some of the things that maybe the false church does, doesn't make me a part of doesn't make me the false church, because they have some things that are right, but they have the major things that are wrong, and that's the problem. Because a little leaven leavened the whole lump with them. But yes, they have some things that are rightful, rightfully correct. But here in Second Corinthians chapter nine, again, it's talking about giving, and he says in verse six, he says, "But this I say." Well, let's start at verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, your giving. Where if you had noticed before that the things that the, that, the, that, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. That doesn't necessarily mean money either. That's in any part of your life. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Amen. That's the word of God. Every man, according to what he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Purpose that, man, I want to give. I want to help the brethren all that I can. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to want to do it. 
He doesn't want you to feel like, oh man, I gotta give, I gotta do this. Man, I wanna hold on my money, but I, I guess I'll give, a, I'll throw a little money in the basket or whatever, put, put a little money out there to help him. I give, and I suppose you do every week. I make it a habit of mine that every week I put in offering. And I give throughout the week. We buy things. And I did, we, we do that. So, so I, I don't want to be a burden to the church. I want to help the church. So I give every week. I don't get. I give. As an example, and as I've always done that, the Lord has put on my heart to do. Because I want to give to the body of Christ. I want to give to those that are in need. And that should be every one of our desire. Is to give to those that need help. But I mentioned, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, somebody need help. You know, and... and, and a lot of people didn't do anything. You know, some did. And I'm, real, I'm excited about it. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your giving. But all should want to be able to give them. If you can't give, you know what? Send a penny. Or, or, or put a penny. Give a penny. Give something. If you can't afford to give, give something in the Lord. As the Lord would have us to give. As a, as a, matter, of, as a, as a matter of giving as what the Lord says. Remember the woman that came in and, and, and she, the Lord says, man, she gave, she gave all that she had. I said, Lord, and he's watching them all put the offering in. And he says, yeah, but she, he says, they said, well, she only gave a penny, Lord. She gave out of her need. She gave something. She gave out of her need. Yeah, Ben? I was just going to just kind of mention and just kind of tell my experience with, um, number one, the absolute, that should be our heart. And you, you, if you, if you, it's kind of like placing that desire in somebody's heart. It should, it, if you're doing it out of the motivation because you feel like you have to and you, you grudgingly do it, I don't, well, I do, I do know that that's just not the correct way. I can't, if I force somebody to come here and sit down, then, then, you know, then that's yeah. not it. But if a person is willing, and we have to come to that place. And so let me tell you something. This was years ago. I used to come here and I didn't tie. And I felt like this. I felt like, God would put some people in my life and I just helped them and this and that. And, and it was wrong. It was, okay, so if God does put that person in your life, you do, you do help them, okay? And so I do. But I started giving here. And this is just a testimony. Um, I, I, have, I can just see the, the hand of God giving me more and more and more and more. And that's not the reason why I do it. Good. <laughs> you know, that's Good. Not, I don't do it. Well, no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious because that you don't want to be like, well, I know if I give to this, the Lord, it's not, it's not like a lottery. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you this, it's like a side effect of just living right. Good I testimony. things that are just, I'm, I'm in wow of that I know the Lord has his hand on it, you know? From where I came from to where I'm at, from living in 290 square feet of VCT into a three-bedroom house, I'm very grateful. I live in being grateful every day. Amen. And I, and I just know this, it's, it's our life. This is our life. This is not a, a this is a lifestyle and, and giving is part of it. Whether it be your time, whether it's your funds, it should be all of it. All if of you it. truly have crucified the flesh, and we talk about this all the time, then it's just a desire. It's another, it's another point of denying yourself. Absolutely. It's, a, it's another point I of denying go, yourself. Look, I could go in my brain, well, I really need that money for this, this, and this, and this. Sure. And I gotta get this and this. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not gonna give there. But, or you can think of, well, he's not doing nothing with the money and this and that, he, whatever. It's not about what he's doing with that money. It's about, it's unto God. Amen. Hey, regardless Amen. of what he does, That's right. it's unto God. If I go give a homeless guy money 
I used to think all the time, well, he's just going to go to the store and get alcohol. That's not right. Hey, man, here it is. Just like you said earlier, sometimes you don't feel like preaching. It's your part. It, it, you're doing, whether he receives or not, you did your part. That's right. We don't do something just because we feel like it. <laughs> we don't go off the feelings. That's right. That's exactly what the Bible says. And that's an awesome testimony. Because it says, what's the scripture that talks about if you give? Whatever you sow, that shall you reap. No, not only that, but I will give. Well, Press down, get, yeah, pull them together, yeah. flow it over you. Yeah. So and that's what the Lord's done in your life. He's yeah. given out of obedience. And he, he did, did exactly what he said he would do. He blessed you mightily when he's done that. Well, let me, let me finish reading the scripture and it will give you exactly what you're saying. So God loves a cheerful giver. You know, I, and 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 uh, I see a lot of you guys as cheerful givers. I'm a and I'm a cheer. I want to give to the ministry. I want to help my brethren. I want to when I see somebody's need, I, w- I want to meet that need. Uh, and at the same time, I'm I'm very uh, of of governing that. I'm very cautious about making sure that it's going to somebody that is doing the best that they can, and they and they truly have a need. And it's not somebody just coming in here one time and just trying to get money uh, to, to support them and they're not working and don't want to work or so forth. It's got to be channeled in the right direction. So we're very careful about making sure that we're helping somebody with a legitimate need. If somebody's working all they can and doing everything they can and they're coming up short, I want to help them. I want to be there for them. You know, if they wanting to, and they're walking with the Lord and then that's playing, playing around and they really want to serve God, you know, we, 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 I told a brother the other day, he needed, he needed contacts, you know, and his contacts he couldn't afford, you know, and he's a brother that loves, that loves the Lord and wants to walk with it. I said, man, we're going we're gonna, to, the church is going to pay for your contacts. Well, they're 500 something dollars. It doesn't matter. We, we're going to take care of it. We're going we're gonna to meet that need for you. Hey, Don, you want to say something, Don, or did you just go click it on? Yeah, brother, that, that was an accident. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wanted to include uh, uh, Jesus' words in, uh, uh, in uh, Matthew 6, that our mm-hmm. giving should be done in secret and not before men, uh, that our Father in heaven sees it, mm-hmm. and uh, then we will receive the reward. Yeah, that, yeah, amen, Don, that, that somebody's not just doing it. That's a good thing that, you're, uh, that the motive isn't to be a, a scene of men, but to do it in, in the Lord. And a lot of people do that and do it in secret, and that's, and that's a blessing. Uh, and, and even the ones that do it, I mean, the woman that was given a penny, Jesus obviously saw her, but, but it, she wasn't doing it with the motivation to be seen of men by offering her penny. Those scribes and Pharisees, a lot of them were putting in the big cash, the big bucks thinking to be seen. That could be. But let me, go, let, me, let me show you the scripture in 2 Corinthians 9. If we said God loves a cheerful giver, and this goes along with what you said, Ben, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Amen. So when that, that giver... He's talking about there. Amen. He, uh, the Bible says, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Uh, now he that ministers, seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Turn with me to First um, Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, speaking about uh, those that, um, like elders um, de- or deacons or, or pastors, ministers. Um, and first of all, I want to read verse eight. Um, we we'll start verse six, which is good, which all the all good. It says verse six, but 
She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she lives. So a person that's living for themselves, they're dead while they live. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own house, for his own, especially for those of his own house. See, that's our first thing to provide for physically is to provide for our own house. He hath denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Can you imagine that? He's worse. He's claiming to be a believer and he's worse than an unbeliever because he's not providing for his own house. And that can be, that can be finances. That can be time with your children. That can be time with your wife. Uh, all, all those needs. He says he must provide for them all the needs of his immediate family. Now it goes on and it talks about here. It says, um, let's go to verse 17. That the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and in teaching doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. What does that mean? In the, in the old day, they didn't have automobiles and tractors and those kind of things. They had an ox. And the ox would, if you, they, would have, they would need an ox because the ox is what was used to grow their crop. They would use the ox to be able to make, make money or make, uh, uh, trade their, their vegetables and get some meat, whatever. They would use that ox. The ox was very, very important because that's what fed them. The ox would feed them, actually. And he said, and he talks about the, thou shalt not muzzle the ox. In other words, a muzzle is something you put over them where they can't open their mouth. You muzzle an ox, he can't eat, right? It's because he's, he, 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 he's going to die. He's going to starve to death. And he says here, and the labor is worthy of his reward, the laborer. Uh, so he's talking about like, it, it almost be like, well, you know, uh, I'm going to just, uh, I got this ox and I'm being fed spiritually. So I'm just going to throw him a couple of grains of corn. You know, I'm not going to give him much of anything. And your ox, you, you, they fed their ox as well because they wanted to make sure that the ox stayed healthy to be able to feed them. Now, take, take it here. I don't want anything for me. Okay. I, I don't want it. That, that's not my desire. I don't want that. I, have, I, I do well with what we do. We're fine. But I want the brethren's needs, and I want to see fruit from your life. I want to see it because a lot of times, a lot, a lot of people's hearts is in their pocketbook. Mm. And, when, and you really can tell whether a person really has love for the brethren and love by what they give. And don't tell me, well, you know what? I give by, 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 by how much I study the Word or how much I preach the Word. Mm. You know, Everybody's supposed to be doing that. <laughs> That's not something giving. But are you giving out of your, out of your need? Are you giving your finances to help others, to, to further the ministry, to help those that are in need? That's what we're talking about. So, and I can go on and on with Scripture at the Scripture that talks about that, but I think we've hit on it enough to, to understand that you know, we are to give, we are to help and be conscious of that. Brother, Brother Cedric. You don't want to be into, a, in, into supporting something that is sending people to hell. That's the best probably word I can say for that. Because false churches are preaching false doctrines, which are sending people to hell. Do you want to support that? By supporting that, you end up becoming a partaker of their evil deed. Now, if you're doing it ignorantly, you've done it ignorantly in the past, 
you walk past that and you did it out of the heart of, of just giving to help those in need, then that's one thing. But to just do it to support that ministry, then you're supporting a ministry that is sending people to hell. You definitely don't want to be part of that. Just like you don't want to be part of that, period. That's why the Lord said, come out from among them. That's why he said in Revelation chapter 18, he says, come out of that whore, my people. Come out of her and be not partakers of her sins. What are you doing by sitting, by sitting or being in that, in that congregation that in listening to someone that's not even qualified to be a, a pastor or a deacon or an elder because he said he must be blameless. And he admittedly is saying he's not blameless. He's saying that everybody's going to sin all the time. And you're supporting that and you're listening to that and you're standing there. Then you're a partaker of their evil deed. That's why he said come out from among them. Don't be a partaker of the sin because if you be a partaker of the sin, you shall also, he said in Revelation 18, you will be a partaker of their plagues. That's a strong warning and very the wrath of God will be upon you. You say, well, my family goes there. So I want to go be with my family. No, you need to make a stand and say, family, I'm not going there. You go there, there. I don't want you to. You let your wife and family know. I don't want you to. I want you walking into the truth. They choose to disobey what you say, then that's between them and God then. But you need to make a stand and say, no, I'm not going to that church with my family anymore because that church preaches false doctrines. Stay out of there. That's just like what Ben was talking about in 2 John. Same thing. You're going with those who transgress and you go and yoke up and shake everybody's hand and have God speed with them and go there like you're standing there with them? You say, well, I'm just there. You're there. You're listening to it. But what, are you, what kind of message are you giving everybody? Unless you're going to that church and just going to stand up in front of everybody and say, this is wrong. You cannot sin and go to heaven. Go in there and do that. You won't be staying there. They'll kick you out. So either way, you don't need to be in there. Come out from among them, he said. Don't partake of their evil deeds or you will partake of their plagues that are going to come upon them. Light and darkness does not have fellowship. Get away from those kind of people other than to share the gospel. Praise the Lord. Be an influence on people. Stand up. Quit ye like men. conversation with them before and they gave me um, some cash and they said uh, hey, hey this is for you I want to give this to you and I said no thank you I, I'm fine I, I don't need that at this time I really appreciate uh, your giving and she said no I don't want you to stop my blessing you know I don't want you to stop my blessing and, and I, I, I've heard that before something that I've been taught from a kid and I really like you to touch on that if there's even a biblical uh Scripture that regards that if somebody rejects your giving, uh, can you can they stop your blessing? You know, I've heard that before, and, and so if you could touch on that, that'd be great. Thank Go you. to the book of Acts, <sighs> Acts chapter 20. Paul speaking here. Um, We'll start at verse um, 33. Paul writes, he says, I have coveted no man's money, silver, gold, or apparel. I haven't coveted anybody's. 
He says, Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. Paul was working with his own hands and taking care of his own necessities and to them that were with him and to make sure that those that were with him got help. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There is a blessing in giving.